This is KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Today is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. I'm Claudio Mendoza, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. After the latest COVID news, the California report covers water. First, they look at how the city of San Francisco is suing the state of California over water storage issues, and then how Lake Tahoe divers have started an effort to collect all the garbage that's accumulated on the lake's bottom. After a look at regional news and weather, we'll check in with Michael DiMartino with the Water Protector Report, and we'll close with a commentary from Mark Cunaberti entitled, Wage Osmosis. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. With yesterday's announcement that California will keep its mask rules in place until the state's scheduled reopening on June 15th, public health officials are working with businesses to make sure they're in compliance. In Los Angeles County, a Trader Joe's in South Pasadena posted a sign last week that said it will allow shoppers without masks to come inside. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says they're trying to get the word out to businesses that that kind of thing is is not okay. We'll be out and about uh, our entire week. Uh, we actually spoke over the weekend about making sure that we're communicating clearly uh, that the masking requirements remain in effect in LA County. With the CDC easing its mask mandates, but California health officials keeping their rules in place, Ferrer says she understands that this can all be confusing to the public. We appreciate uh, very much uh, that CDC was presenting information about the effectiveness of the vaccine. Uh, I think if you've listened to the director over the last couple of days, uh, she's been clear about the need for everyone to understand that local jurisdictions and states need to continue to have sensible masking requirements. Merchants and restaurants in California will still be allowed to require masks if they choose to do so, even after June 15th. The University of California says it's one step closer to requiring COVID-19 vaccinations of all students and employees who want to return to campus in the fall. From KPCC, Adolfo Guzman Lopez reports. When UC announced the vaccine requirement last month, it hung the policy on full approval of one of the three COVID-19 vaccines. The head of UC's health system, Dr. Carrie Byington, told UC Regents last week Pfizer became the first to apply, and she expected the U.S. Food and Drug Administration review to take several weeks. We do expect full licensure to, to occur before the fall classes begin for the UC system. The much larger California State University system adopted the same requirement, so it's also on track to require vaccines for students and employees returning in the fall. Moderna or Johnson & Johnson vaccination would also meet the requirement, and exceptions for medical and religious reasons would be allowed. For the California Report, I'm Adolfo Guzman Lopez. The head of the Cal State University system says while schools will offer more in-person classes in the fall, it still won't be like before the pandemic. Speaking to the Fresno Bee, Chancellor Joseph Castro says more virtual classes will be offered to meet students' needs and that virtual learning is here to stay. Castro says that each campus will have to find a balance when it comes to online courses. 
And staying on the pandemic, two out of three Californians believe businesses like concert venues and sports stadiums should be allowed to verify their customers' vaccination status before allowing them to come in. That's according to a UC Berkeley poll that's out today. KQED health correspondent April Domboski has more. Similar to attitudes about businesses and their patrons, 61 percent of poll respondents also say employers should be allowed to require certain workers to be vaccinated for COVID-19. But there is no consensus on the role government should play. About a third of registered voters say the government should take responsibility for a nationwide vaccine verification system. A third say that role should be more limited. And a quarter say the government should stay out of the matter altogether. Opinions fell largely along party lines, with Democrats and people who've been vaccinated more likely to favor more controls. The poll was conducted before the CDC and state altered their guidelines on when people must wear masks indoors. For The California Report, I'm April Domboski. Support for The California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at perkinscoie.com. And Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Federal prosecutors say California Department of Motor Vehicles employees in the Los Angeles area have accepted tens of thousands of dollars in bribes in exchange for allowing people to get a driver's license by giving them fraudulent passing scores on driving exams. So far, five DMV employees are believed to have participated in the scheme in two different test locations. One motor vehicles worker who has already pled guilty says he and other employees accepted cash bribes several times a week, often from intermediaries acting on behalf of people seeking licenses. The DMV says its workers who are found to have broken the law will be disciplined. In environmental news, San Francisco is suing the state of California because regulators would like the region to forfeit some of its water supply. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains. The state water board would like to see more water flow down the Tuolumne River and not stored in reservoirs. The goal is to preserve the river and provide salmon spawning habitat, but that would equal less water for the Bay Area. Steve Ritchie is the assistant general manager at the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. We could see rationing levels of up to 70 percent across our entire system. Exactly how that would play out would be subject of agreement with all of our wholesale customers, but it would be a lot. The suit could take years to pan out, but Ritchie says it could deplete San Francisco's water supply during drought times. Some river advocates hope a decision balances in favor of more water flowing down the Tuolumne River, where 85 percent of San Francisco's water supply comes from. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. Lake Tahoe, it looks so clean and pristine, but beneath its surface, there's a lot of garbage. So scuba divers have completed the first dive of what will be a massive six-month effort to rid Lake Tahoe of trash. Colin West is with Clean Up the Lake, the nonprofit group spearheading the project. He says their initial dive Friday focused on an area along the California-Nevada border. We ended up pulling out close to a couple hundred pounds of trash. I mean, we had tires and some cinder blocks. We had 
different beer bottles and cans and jewelry and sunglasses and golf balls and just trash galore. The team of divers will continue looking for trash along the lake's entire 72 miles of shoreline. They plan to dive three days a week to a depth of 25 feet. The cleanup effort will continue through November and could be the largest in Lake Tahoe's history. Money for the $250,000 project is coming from grants. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, May 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Should businesses ask customers about vaccination status? According to the Sacramento Bee, a majority of Californians say yes. A majority of California voters support allowing some businesses to verify that their customers are vaccinated or have tested negative for coronavirus before allowing them to enter, according to a new poll. Of the more than 10,000 registered voters polled between April 29th and May 5th, two out of three said businesses like concert venues, sports stadiums, cruise ships, and casinos should be allowed to check vaccination records of those who want to enter. About one-third disapproved of such a system. The survey by the Institute of Governmental Studies at the University of California, Berkeley, sheds light on where Californians stand as the state begins to ease long-standing pandemic restrictions. As of this morning, our state has a COVID-19 test positivity rate of less than 1%. About half of the state's population, 15 million people, are fully vaccinated as of last Sunday, according to state data. Nevada County is reporting five new virus cases today. 123 are active and three are hospitalized. If you'd like to be vaccinated yourself, you can make an appointment at myturn.ca.gov. Cal Fire and Placer County Fire said in a press release today that smoke may be visible in Colfax and surrounding communities beginning tomorrow morning. Cal Fire and the Placer County Fire Department are implementing a live fire operation on the Mount Howell Fire Lookout State property in Placer County near Colfax. Weather conditions permitting, the burn will begin Wednesday, May 19th at 9 a.m. and based on weather conditions will end approximately 3 p.m. The burn will help reduce the fuel load while converting up to three acres of scotch broom, French broom, and other invasive plants and underbrush back to native vegetation around the fire lookout. The prescribed burn will also offer training to area firefighters. Resources will remain at the scene until all fire is extinguished and continue to check the burn for several days following the project's completion. And looking at regional weather, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear, with a low around 46 degrees. Tomorrow will be sunny, with a high near 67. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear, with a low around 39 degrees. Tomorrow will be sunny, with a high near 60. There will be a lake wind advisory in effect tomorrow, from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Boaters are advised to check lake conditions before heading out and to be prepared for a sudden increase in winds and wave heights. Boaters are also advised to consider postponing activities on the lake until a day with less wind. And for Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 51 degrees, tomorrow sunny with a high near 78.
With the coming drought, water is on everyone's mind these days. Michael DiMartino shares the Water Protectors Report with us next. Hey everyone, it's Michael DiMartino from the Alliance for Resilient Communities just calling in with our long-anticipated Water Protector Report. We're in the process right now of working to uh, elevate awareness about the proposed Delta Tunnel Water Conveyance Project that's going to potentially occur in the Sacramento River Delta. If you've never been there, it's a thousand miles of waterways between Sacramento and the San Francisco Bay. And it's really like the heart of California's uh, water. It was some of the most uh, fertile lands and it's the place where all the fish come up the river and spawn, where the ocean waters, the salinity meet the fresh water. So we're in the process of putting out a film called Soul of the Delta. It's a wonderful, uplifting human story about the people and the cultures that are there in the Delta and the negative impact that the Delta Tunnel project would have. We also want to do a big uh, shout out for a lot of the people across the region who just successfully defeated uh, Crystal Geyser with setting up shop at the headwaters of Mount Shasta, where they were taking out a half billion bottles of water a day from our watershed and our aquifer. So uh, they're moving out of the region. So that's a, a good success story that just shows that when people work together and and for a common good, that we can have success. Of course, many of you might know that we just recently celebrated World Water Day on March 21st. So we did a whole weekend event called Voices of Water. We had over 100 people from around the world calling in as part of that broadcast talking about water issues. And of course, a lot of those issues are around water mismanagement, the introduction of environmental toxins into water, and of course, water privatization. And uh, 2021 has now been declared World Water Year. And what's interesting is the same time they declared that, the Chicago Exchange put water on the commodities market as now one of the biggest, most valuable trading commodities in the world, second, I think, only to gold and a few other minerals. So, you know, with climate change happening, whether you believe in it or not, whether it's human made or part of a natural planetary cycle, the lack of snowpack this year, and again, water has always been an issue in California. We're really trying to look at the issues and even more importantly than just talk about issues, we're trying to bring solutions to the table, things around preserving water sources, things about uh, remediating water, and how to regenerate our groundwater. Some of the other issues that we're working on, uh, we've had some uh, really great meetings recently with the Nevada Irrigation District about how we could clean up the 450 miles of irrigation ditches from the various herbicides that are used and, and the algicides that are used that are you know contaminating our environment. So that's one of the issues we're really passionate working on. And of course, a big shout out to uh, Michael and Yara Passner from Safe Ditches and Friends of NID who have been working on this issue for a long time. And uh, we recently, on Earth Day, we had a um, kind of a art and activism fun event at Valentina's at the intersection of Brunswick and Sutton Way to show that there's a lot of opposition about this proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine. I know there's a lot of discussion that it will bring some revenue into the community and potentially hundreds of jobs. But if you dig deeper, you can see that that might be true, but not necessarily beneficial for our community who will receive the brunt uh, and the impact of the devastating effects of the mine, like millions of gall gallons of water being siphoned out of the, the aquifer, the releasing of, of contaminants that have been stored in those mines, the impact on the housing market, and, re and really overall the local economy. So that's something we've been working on. And there's a lot of really interesting information you can go to uh, to empower 
nevadacounty.com. And the thing is that this is a community-led coalition of people. It's not just one organization or one person that's doing it. It's really about giving the people a voice to have an educated and uh, a consciousness-raising discussion about what the mine would do to impact our communities. There's a lot of things happening right now. It's a super dynamic field. I probably spend far too much time thinking about and working with water, but no water, no life. Michael DiMartino organized the Water Protector Tour, an organization whose aim is to raise awareness and generate solutions regarding issues that impact our water sources. You can learn more at waterprotectortour.org. Next, let's listen to a commentary by Mark Cunaberti. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. Years ago, I coined the phrase economic osmosis. Osmosis is a process where molecules of a solvent tend to pass through a semi-permeable membrane from a less concentrated solution into a more concentrated one, thus equalizing the concentrations on each side of the membrane. That from Wikipedia, but basically it means if you add... Let's say concentrated soup mixed to a pot of water, the concentration eventually spreads out to the whole pot. In economic wage osmosis, I used the example months ago about how wages between countries can remain isolated and at different levels until such a time where the two societies merge. At this point, the lower wage country will see their wages increase, while the higher wage country will see a fall in wages until an equilibrium is reached, bringing the two wages together into one standard wage. Imagine a city that is paying about 10 bucks an hour, and a new company moves in and offers 12 bucks an hour. The city is then unable to find workers at the $10 an hour rate, so they are now forced to pay the higher wage. Somewhere in between, a medium is reached and a new standard wage is established. Economic wage osmosis has occurred. Correlate that example to the theme of a recent Money Matters radio show and article I wrote a few weeks back, which stated that despite a high unemployment rate in America, Small businesses are still having difficulty finding available workers. I drew the conclusion that the scarcity of workers, despite a high unemployment rate, was because of the generous unemployment bonuses being paid by the Employment Development Department due to COVID-19. Interestingly enough, whereas the United States is experiencing a 15-an-hour minimum wage push, which has become sort of a political hotbed, the need to mandate this minimum wage may be slowly disappearing because of the wage osmosis occurring as a result of the higher unemployment payments. Since the EDD unemployment payments are higher than the current employment wages being offered by businesses on the open market, businesses are going to have to probably pay a higher wage now to hire needed employees. It may also happen that the $15 an hour wage that is paid may not be enough to entice workers to come back to work. The government may be acting like that new company that moved into the city by paying a higher wage than what once was the previous going rate. The government is now competing with private businesses for available workers, driving wages up in the process. Although those collecting unemployment are not working per se, the ED 
CD payment is a competitive compensation that is making it difficult for businesses to find willing workers. The workforce is in essence saying, you must pay a higher wage for us to give up our unemployment checks. Famed investor Jeffrey Gundlach seems to agree with me saying, quote, people are making more money sitting at home watching Netflix than they are at work and they don't want to go back. He continues to say, I think one of the dangers that we've opened the door to is these stimulus checks are starting to feel like they might not go away, unquote. Although we cannot make a carte blanche assumption that this is all that is at work here, it is not a stretch to visualize how this could be the reason workers are hard to find, despite a historically high unemployment rate. In a strange way, Washington may no longer need to argue the minimum wage issue. The $15 minimum wage may already be well on its way to being a reality through wage osmosis, brought on by the lucrative unemployment EDD COVID payments. In past articles and shows, I have also illustrated that where government money goes, so goes inflation. We may already be witnessing this inflation in rising wages, caused by the massive amounts of money in the form of these EDD unemployment payments. The bad news in all of this is this will likely lead to what is called wage push inflation, where higher wages eventually show up in the overall inflation rate of everything else we buy. And, in fact, just out last week, a 4.2% annualized consumer price inflation shocked the market. With that in mind, I will conclude the broadcast that, in my opinion, you ain't seen nothing yet. That does it for today's Money Matters. The views expressed are not to be regarded as investment advice and are my opinions only and may not reflect the opinions of this radio station as staff management or underwriters. I hold California insurance license OL34249 and I'm a Medicare-approved agent in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name is Mark Cunaberti. Thanks for listening. That's our newscast for tonight, Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. We get support from Scene Skincare, offering organic, farm-to-face skincare and aesthetic services, utilizing an apothecary back bar of skincare products curated on-site from local, organically grown ingredients. Open by appointment only, including weekends. S-E-E-N skincare.com and Hanson Brothers Enterprises since 1953, offering bulk and bagged soils, amendments, and fertilizers for gardening needs. Also excavation, paving, underground utilities, and site work services for public, private, and commercial enterprises. GoHBE.com. I hope you'll stay with us. Coming up next is Educationally Speaking. This week's topic is Fire Safety. And at 7 p.m., we bring you Democracy Now! Thanks very much for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a great night.